Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hi, it's Connor Tapp, co-host of the College Football Daily. We're releasing our March 12th episode several hours earlier than we normally would because we recorded an episode about the intersection of the COVID-19 pandemic and college sports. College basketball is very much in the news right now, but also this is starting to reach over into college football. So Trey and I sat down and talked about that. And we also had on an infectious disease expert, Dr. Celine Gounder. So uh, we recorded this episode and then we realized that things were just moving so quickly and changing so quickly that the longer we waited to post this episode, uh, we we ran the risk of having it become functionally obsolete. Since we finished recording the episode, the NCAA put out a statement saying that the Division I men's and women's basketball tournaments would be held with only essential staff and limited family in attendance. And they also recommended that other NCAA events, including presumably conference tournaments, follow the same course of action. So given the rate at which the things that we talked about were beginning to change, we thought it would be in everyone's best interest if we just went ahead and put out the episode now. So here it is, 12 hours earlier than normal. Good morning. It's Thursday, March 12th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm in the studio foolishly violating the CDC's social distancing guidelines with my co-host, Trey Scott. So Trey, in a minute, we'll get to an interview I recorded with infectious disease expert, Dr. Celine Gounder. But first, I mean, you and I and, and our producer, Tani, we've been kind of like discussing in Slack over the past several days, like, okay, when are we going to like kind of tackle coronavirus and its impact on college sports and college football? And we've been kind of like waiting for something to happen, I guess. And the past 24 hours, I, I guess 36 hours, 48 hours by the time you're listening to this, uh, things have really started to pick up, particularly on the on the basketball front. Things are moving quickly. A few weeks ago, maybe it was just last week. I don't know. It's been a long week. We had the uh, Michigan canceled mm-hmm. their spring trip or their summer trip due to coronavirus. And I remember remarking and saying, okay, we've got our first... Yeah, honestly, I have a pit in my stomach thinking about how lighthearted my tone was on I mean, sure. Yeah, but, I mean, it, you know, it felt so far away. And the sports were... I mean, we, you know, we're recording this at... In the afternoon on a, on a Wednesday, but things are changing by the literally by the minute as far as states are concerned and governors are concerned and and conferences and all that stuff. Right. I mean, look, we like built out the things that have impacted college football. Like we have our our Google Doc going, and we had what we need to talk about. And you know, ten minutes later, Tulsa quarantines two players mm-hmm. due to coronavirus concerns because of a relation to a family member who did test positive for yeah. coronavirus. So that's is that's how quickly it's moving. Yeah, we've also had the Ivy League cancel its spring practice in addition to its conference basketball tournaments. 
Um, we've had them go ahead and cancel spring sports uh, for the for the rest uh, of the of the semester just within the past couple of minutes before we started recording. And the University of Southern Cal, California is in a state of emergency. They're closing off their practices to the public and uh, re- restricting access to the public to all their Olympic sporting events as well. So we're, and we're, and we're seeing some campuses take action to, um, to kind of close, close classes or have classes be online only. And, but it's a very varied response. Uh, there was just a report out of LSU that, uh, their, their current plan is to not alter what they're doing until there's a report of a positive case on campus. So it's just kind of, all over the place now, but it's it's starting to get pretty real. And like I think what we're seeing, the action we're seeing schools take on the basketball front is a reasonable proxy for, you know, maybe we're still dealing with this in the fall. I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I, I know that there is a scenario that some experts have laid out where maybe this is something that kind of goes away a little bit during the summer and then comes back with, with a vengeance in the fall. And so like, what if this is a really big issue on college campuses in the fall, like how are we handling football games? So I think as we kind of look at what these schools and conferences are doing with regard to the conference basketball tournaments right now is uh, as good a proxy as we're going to get until if and if that happens into what we could maybe expect. I can't even imagine it being in the fall and involving football. And I was thinking about that earlier. Like it, it's just like the basketball is one thing as far as the money makers for the schools. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, obviously you're seeing the smaller conferences say we're either canceling our tournament or our basketball tournament, or we're just going to play without fans and all power fives have you know so far held out. But it's been interesting the last 48 hours They've gone from we're good, mm-hmm. like we're good, like we're gonna put some hand sanitizer and some signage up, mm-hmm. to it feels like there's an, a, a reevaluation happening. Yep. Like the ACC tournament's already underway. Mm-hmm. The Big Twelve starts Wednesday night as well. SEC starts in a couple of hours. Right. So like, yeah, it's, it seems like these are gonna be played. The first four in Dayton, and again, this is not a basketball podcast, but the first four in Dayton, like the precursor to March Madness next week, and, and Tawny, it's it's a Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday? Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. And and Right. So Tuesday, Wednesday, we will have NCAA basketball games played without fans. And then, you know, there's there's supposed to be regionals in Washington and in Ohio, and it doesn't. So anyway, like, all that to say is that people 48 hours ago who did not seem like they were going to come around, such Mm -hmm. as commissioners Mm -hmm. and, and state, you know, Congress people, have come around. And so th- this is all setting the table for once one of these Power 5 tournaments, conferences, like if they did say, if the Big Ten was like, we're not doing this, it'd make it a lot easier for everyone else to not do it, right? Right. So if basketball, in that similar vein, basketball pulling out or scaling down or canceling probably makes it a lot easier for football to, to do that if it had, if it absolutely had to in the fall. And of course, that's, I mean, these days feel like it feels like we're living 72 hour days right now. Mm-hmm. So it's even hard to think about August. And I, I, we reached out to the Ivy League to see if they, they would talk to us for today's show. Unfortunately, they didn't get back to us. But one thing I was curious about is, did they feel like maybe they had a leadership role that they needed to take in being one of the first conferences to take some really drastic actions? Because, I mean, you see the MAC 
the Mac uh, closing off their conference tournament game to fans and like, okay, that's the Mac, but like when it's the Ivy League, even though it's a small league, you know, it's the Ivy League. And if they have a certain amount of intellectual clout and uh, and influence over the way everybody else is thinking. So I, 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 I'm curious about that. And yeah, like you said, if we haven't quite seen a, a major conference kind of take that as drastic of a step. And I did, I did ask Dr. Gounder about some of those uh, intermediate or those, those lesser actions like increasing sanitation efforts and raising awareness with signage and stuff. Um, Spoiler alert, she was like not super optimistic that that would be uh, particularly helpful, at least compared to, you know, having empty stadiums and, or maybe canceling the the tournaments altogether. Um, One other thing, thread that I, I did want to pull at before we get to a co- our conversation with Dr. Gounder is uh, it, it was something I was kind of wondering about and I saw Brian Curtis at the ringer wrote about it is like it kind of seems like an element of what we're seeing here is schools and conferences kind of jumping on this to do something that they always wanted to do which is to further restrict media access to players or seeing them shut down locker room availability and like in the range of things that would do a lot of work to mitigate the spread of this virus like that seems like pretty small it is silly like you can see they've roped off the media so you just like literally nothing separating you you're just like standing like you just kind of like separated by a rope from the media for college basketball tournaments like the locker rooms are open in postseason play for NCAA they usually never are, though, mm-hmm. in real season. Like, you could go into the Kansas locker room this weekend in, the, in Kansas City because it's open per tournament NCAA rules, but you could never do that at Fog Island Fieldhouse. So right. I, I think when you look at the NBA and the NHL, they're probably losing more than the college media, who already get nothing yeah. anyway. So, that, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that that was the first thing they – Right. Kind of cut. I mean, you know, a lot of media people were like, "Oh, but this is this isn't gonna this is not you know, not enough, right?" Like, but though this is what you think is gonna fix, like le- allowing the right, you know, the the Austin <laughs> American Statesman reporter to not <laughs> give the player coronavirus, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's just it's like there's no solution to any of this. Like, it's this is really it's it's a really weird time we're in and. It's it's weird recording on a Wednesday, knowing that by Friday you can listen to this and it probably won't have held. Yeah, well, ho- well, hopefully people listen to these exactly at eight thirty a.m. Eastern when they come out every morning, so that this is as timely as possible. I so, don't know. Sometimes they get like lock, lock podcasts get like clogged up in my feed. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I got a new one. Oh, it's four <laughs> days old. Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side, we'll get into our conversation with Dr. Celine Gounder. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to the College Football Daily. I'd like to welcome now Dr. Celine Gounder. Dr. Gounder is a clinical assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at NYU. She has written for nearly every reputable outlet on the web and co-hosts the new weekly podcast, Epidemic, which dives deep on the coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. So, Dr. Gounder, I want to bring you in and I I want to emphasize to our listeners that we're having this conversation at a time where things are very much in flux from the standpoint of mounting pressure on the basketball conferences across the country and decisions they might soon be making. But at the time we're recording this, we've just had the Ivy League totally cancel its tournament and the MAC announced that it will be playing its games in an empty arena. We're about five hours from tip-off as we're talking uh, from the SEC tournament here where I live in Nashville and things appear to be going ahead mostly as planned, but I do just want to go out of my way to kind of timestamp this conversation as not only happening here at 1.30 Eastern on March 11th, but also within the context of that timeline. So Dr. Gounder, I I guess I'll start by asking, like, what is the public health benefit of, say, doing what the Ivy League did did and saying, we're just going to totally cancel our, 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 our tournament? Well, I just want to add one other detail Mm. to the timestamp. The World Health Organization just announced that this is a global pandemic, something that many of us have already been saying actually for a couple of weeks, but they have now acknowledged that. And I think that's an important um, point as well. Um, So, you know, should we be canceling these events? Um, Honestly, I, I, I think that at the very least, you should be um, not, you should be hosting these events without crowds, without spectators. Um, and, and the reason for that is you really do want to slow the spread of the infection. Um, part of the challenge is that probably within about the next two weeks, we're going to see a surge in cases similar to what happened in Italy. Um, and that overwhelmed their healthcare system, as we saw prior to that in China. Um, and, and the challenge there is what makes it even harder for us is that we have fewer doctors per person in the U.S. We have fewer hospital beds in in the U.S. per person, um, which means our resources may actually be even more strained and taxed in this situation or in our context than in the Italian context. So we have a very short period of time here just based on the lead time um, and, w- and when the number of cases started to go up in Italy versus the U.S., it's probably about two weeks that we have to really get our act together and try to slow things down. Um, if we see a big spike, uh, it's really going to be an issue when you go to the hospital um, for doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers. That's going to be um, really overwhelming. Uh, we're, we're, it's going to make the risk of transmission in facilities higher when you have that many people crowded in, it's going to make it difficult to provide adequate care, not just for patients with coronavirus, but for everything else, right? Like if you have a heart attack and you come in and we're flooded with coronavirus patients or people who are afraid they might have coronavirus, we may not get to you and your heart attack as quickly. So this is when we, when we talk about flattening the curve, that's what we're talking about. We want, yes, we know this is going to spread, but we don't want all of the, those cases to happen all at once. So I've seen some fans responding to people calling for some level of intervention in these conference tournaments by saying, well, you know, attendance is optional. If you're part of the vulnerable population, you could just not go. It's my reasonably informed amateur opinion that that point of view misses a lot of key points here, but I I would like to hear your reaction to that. 
Well, that point of view demonstrates they're only worried about their own health and they're not worried about the health of their family uh, and community. And, you know, if you get it, maybe you won't be hurt by it, but you could pass it on to your parents, your grandparents, other, other elderly in the community. You could be passing it on to people with chronic medical diseases, maybe your neighbor who's recovering from cancer. Um, you know, so I, I think that is a, I hate to be moralistic about it, but a somewhat selfish perspective, honestly. So is the, as we kind of talk about sporting events and like there are different kinds of sporting events and the these conference basketball tournaments and then March Madness are kind of different from, let's say, an NBA regular season game or an MLS regular season game where uh, it seems like you're highly more likely to have people traveling from across the country specifically for this event. And does that does that aspect kind of maybe change the calculus about whether it's a good idea to go ahead with a with a planned sporting event? Well, there's no question. A couple things uh, make it riskier. So if you're having a sporting event in a place where there's community spread, so for example, New York, the Seattle area, parts of California, um, those are going to be riskier events. Um, and in addition to that, if you have people traveling from or to some of those hotspots, that also increases the risk in terms of helping to spread uh, and transmit the virus. So, you know, if you were, I don't know, um, playing a two-person um, golf game uh, in Antarctica, <laughs> maybe that would be okay, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> but I think you know, we we what we want to do is really slow down the spread asap in order to better address this in in the healthcare sure. setting. At, at at the time we're speaking on Wednesday afternoon, uh, uh, you know, I kind of ran through what the what what actions have been taken by the conferences at this point in time. But the the ACC and the SEC in particular, I know, have announced that they're mostly going ahead of schedule. They have kind of announced some increased on-site sanitation efforts and some attempts to like post CDC sanctioned signage about just kind of raising awareness to, to practice good hygiene. Uh, I mean, in I, I, I look at that and I worry that that is basically – sweeping leaves on a windy day here compared to the, (laughs) and I wonder what your point of view is. Yeah, I really think we need to shut things down at least for the next two weeks and then see where we are. If we can slow this down and that has the potential to really slow things down, you know, then maybe we can have a conversation after that about what makes sense. Um, But I I think we really do need that time. And, you know, again, uh, there is a sort of compromise option of don't have the crowds there. Uh, It's only the players, the teams. Um, But then, you know, you also want to look at how do you make sure you don't have transmission with the team. And so that would mean probably that you would want them not to be be exposed to people outside of the team for some period of time. You know, maybe they also as a team need to be quarantined for 14 days or whatever, you know, makes sense. Um, So, you know, and and that's challenging, too. Right. To to be able to maintain that. I'm a little bit concerned that what we're seeing happening here is when you look at the the interventions that have happened, the Ivy League, the MAC, we've had uh, Southern California announce that it's closing off its spring football practice and its Olympic sporting events. And uh, it seems like the commonality in all of these is that they're relatively low financial stakes in making these decisions. Um, and yeah. I don't know, am I... so? What do we do about that? 
What do we do about the financial? I don't know. I mean, am, am I being too cynical, or is there a legitimate public health case to be made for why the Ivy League is canceling its tournament in Boston, where you know they've got I think around ninety cases in a declared state of emergency, but here in Nashville it's a bit lower, no state of emergency yet, and we're kind of going ahead as scheduled. Well, some of that is, you know, how much are we testing? So if you're testing, your numbers are going to be higher for sure. And so because we don't have still um, widespread testing and fully scaled up testing across the country, just because the numbers might be low in a community doesn't mean the true number of cases is low. Um, so I, I do think that's important to say. Um you know, I I can only say from the public health perspective, I'm not uh, I'm not in business, and and really that's you know that's probably for someone else to weigh in on. Well, uh, Dr. Gounder, is there any aspect of this that uh, you think we missed or that people are kind of getting wrong here? Um, no, I think those are the the main key points. That's good. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Bye. All right, Dr. Gounder is a professor of medicine and infectious diseases at NYU. She has a podcast called Epidemic, which goes into a lot of detail about everything that is going on with the coronavirus. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tiny Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.